This afternoon, we'll be continuing in our walk through the book of Hebrews. We'll be in the next section today of Hebrews chapter 11, looking specifically at Moses. Um, Let's go ahead and read from Hebrews chapter 11. Um, We'll go ahead and read as we usually do the whole chapter, just for context. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised, therefore, from one man, And him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Joseph, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was bo- was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. They were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth, of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured it as seeing him who is visible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. By the faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. What and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. And who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the powers of fire, 
escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Father, blessed be your name. And blessed be you who gave us your word. And as we approach your word today, help us, O Father, by the work of your spirit to receive it by faith, to believe your word. And may you mold us and transform us by the work of your spirit. Increase and strengthen our faith. Do the work in each of us that that you've decided to do. And would you guide this preacher, chain him to your your word that he might freely declare truth and help him to do it with clarity with accuracy with understanding we pray these things in jesus name amen as we've walked through the book of hebrews chapter 11 we've seen a number of different perspectives on uh, by faith by faith Many different things were done in practice. By faith, sacrifices were received. By faith, people were uh, delivered from death. By faith, uh, the Noah and his family were rescued from the flood, looking to God, resting in him and receiving from him. We remember what we have is we have a need of endurance And that need of endurance is not something that is generated in and of ourselves, but rather it is something that comes through faith, through resting upon God in Christ Jesus. That is where we find endurance. So the need for endurance is the need to believe God. It's the need to receive from him by faith, to rest in him. Uh, We have learned about a number of different characters which in reality is telling about them, but more than that is telling about the faithfulness of the God who has made promises and all the more reason by faith we should walk in him. All the more reason we should continue to trust in him and hold on to him. Last time we saw, we saw Abraham and Sarah. We saw Abraham, I mean, an offering up of Isaac. Remember, Isaac was the one for whom they had been waiting, uh, the one through whom the promise would be fulfilled. Isaac is not the fulfillment of the promise. Isaac is is the first in the lineage through whom the fulfillment of promise would come, that person of Jesus Christ. But God had told him, go and sacrifice him. And he did so believing that God did not intend and would not fail to keep his promise. That he, would, that he would never fail, that he would keep his promise. Whether it would be through resurrection, which in a way he did rise from the dead. We saw that in that we have a type of typology of Christ, the offering of Isaac, as well as the giving of a sacrifice. We saw the blessings that um, Jacob and Joseph all gave. And we saw that they trusted the faithfulness of God. Now today, we turn our attention to Moses. Going today through verse 28, or 27 I should say. We'll be looking at Moses. Moses is probably... The, the most significant person, at least in terms of ma- names of mention and things being keyed to him in the Old Testament scriptures. The vast majority of the Old Testament scriptures from the, uh, after the Pentateuch are all, for the most part, keyed to Moses. What I mean by key is when you look at a map and you see all the various different 
meanings and the various different symbols, you look for a key to figure out what they all mean. Or at least maybe some of us grew up on maps having to look at that. <laughs> but we look at, but, and Moses is, much of the Old Testament is keyed to Moses and the events involving his, revolving around his life. What is, when we think of Moses, most of us probably think of uh, the most significant event in the life of Moses, which would have been the Exodus from Egypt. I know how many of you grew up on this. I don't even know if it still still plays, but um, every year there would be the showing of the Ten Commandments uh, with Charlton Heston playing Moses. It took quite a bit of dramatic license in that. That's the significance of that event. We go through the law, the prophets, and the writing, and it all and much of it has everything to do with the exodus, with the giving of the law, uh, with the commands that God gave to Moses. Even into the New Testament, we look and we see that uh, the people with the, the people to whom Jesus was speaking, the Pharisees would say, well, we're of Moses, significant person. Well, Abraham, in terms of the one to whom was given that promise from which it all flowed, it's probably, in terms of the meaning, more significant. Moses is the one who's mentioned more. Israel, every year, was commanded to celebrate three feasts. In addition to other types of festivals, there were three annual feasts that would occur every year. There was the, there was, uh, the Passover. In Greek is called the Pascha. There is the Feast of Weeks. And then there is the Feast of the Booths. The Pascha, the Passover, is the celebration and the remembrance of the great day in which Israel uh, was delivered from Egypt when Pharaoh, the firstborn of Egypt, was died. And in the sacrifice of the lamb and in the putting of the blood over the doorposts, the angel of death uh, passed over Israel, since it's called Passover. The Feast of Weeks... An annual festival celebrates the giving of the law. Pentecost was part of this day, was part of this festival. The Feast of the Weeks celebrates the giving of the Ten Commandments. It's significant if we think about the fact that the Spirit was given in the way the Spirit was given on Pentecost, the celebration of the giving of the law. You think about the implications of that in terms of redemptive history. And maybe a New covenant is being, new covenant that has already been effect has been declared. And then we have the Feast of the Booths. They gathered in tents during this time in remembrance of the time in the wilderness where they were nomads living in tents, moving from place to place, not having a permanent home, waiting for their entrance into the land. And all of these are keyed to, in different ways, Moses. The Passover, obviously Moses leading the people of Israel out. Uh, the Feast of Weeks, the giving of the law. It was through Moses, spoken to Moses, that the law was given. And then the Feast of the Booths, which Moses led the people during the time in the wilderness. It's all keyed to Moses. We have the story of Moses here now laid out. In different ways in the book of Hebrews, from his birth and rescue to his realization of being a Jew to leaving Egypt and keeping Passover. This looks from the standpoint of what is behind it all. Faith in the God of promise, who is the promised deliverer. Verse 23, we, 23 through 25, we see uh, the birth and rescue of Moses. And we see Moses also choosing to um, endure with his people rather than take up rather than take up his mantle and life of riches with Egypt. And then in verse 26, we have uh, in verse 27, I should say him leaving Egypt by faith. And in verse 28, which we will look at. I misread it. Uh, keeping the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood. So here we have these various different aspects of Moses' life. But here in this passage is now looking at it from a different perspective. 
It's not looking at it in terms of the great works that Moses did as though they were things that came from himself, but what was behind those things that Moses did. And what was behind those things in each one of these events, it, we have that, that, those two words that begin by faith. By faith. We first of all see in verse 23, Moses' rescue by his parents and through various different means. We can uh, turn to Exodus chapter 2 and we can see the account of that if you uh, wish to turn there. We see that uh, recollected in the very first couple verses of Genesis chapter, Exodus chapter 2. The background of this, of course, is the oppression of the slave population, which was the Jews. Remember the backdrop of this in Exodus chapter 1, we see that Pharaoh had made a uh, command that the uh, firstborn, that all that the boys under a certain age were all to be killed. That's what had happened is um, over those 400 years, Pharaoh's had forgotten Joseph and other people who had contributed and Israel had been made a nation of slaves under the dominion of Egypt. And they were gaining in number and Pharaoh was afraid of them. So he said, we need to call the population by means of killing all the boys. And Moses was born in that context in verse in chapter two. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with the bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughters of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young woman walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant women, woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said, said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. So here we see Moses was rescued from the command of Pharaoh to be killed. His parents found a way to rescue him. And here the focus in terms of the by faith is not upon Moses, but it is upon his parents. Remember, they have the oppression. Not only the most recent events, but the uh, long time of being enslaved. We also remember that they've been told all the way back to Abraham that it would be 400 years. So likely they're thinking 400 years is near. Will there be a deliverer? And so they're wanting to preserve some boys. They saw that he was a fine child and he was hidden for three months. And it was by faith that they did this. By faith in whom? By faith in the God of promise. By faith in the God who had made promises to Abraham, who had renewed those promises to Isaac, as well as to Jacob, who had restated those promises by faith in the God of promise, remembering that God said through Abraham, to, through Abraham for 400 years, that God said through Joseph that you will return. And when you return, bring my bones with you. Remembering God had said something. And thus, if God said something, he's going to do it. God typically does it through a deliverer he raised up. As a matter of fact, all the way back to the garden, a deliverer was promised. A deliverer who would be the offspring of Eve. 
to whom Abraham was most likely ultimately looking. Faith in God, the God who made promises. And what was the and for what was the faith? What for what were they looking? They were looking for, as I just mentioned, the deliverance. Joseph prophesied that for 400 years they would be exiles in Egypt. God had promised that through the offspring of Abraham, all the tribes of the earth would be blessed. In their current condition, it didn't look like that that was going to happen. But God had made that promise. And so by faith, expecting his deliverance, they saved Moses. Remember, God promised that the seed of Eve would crush the head of the serpent which is embedded in the promise made to Abraham. By faith, it also says that they were not afraid of something. What is it of what is it that they were not afraid? They were not afraid of Pharaoh's wrath. They did not fear his wrath. For if they were caught, not only would Moses be killed, but they would be killed and likely any other children they had would be killed along with probably anyone else near and dear to them. But they did not fear that for rather they trusted God knowing that in God resting in God resting in his promise they have far more than what they could ever fear from the king. They were trusting in one who is greater than the mighty Pharaoh. Pharaoh in that day was the mightiest person in the known world. Pharaoh was considered a god in the Egyptian pantheon. That's the all the gods. He was considered the spokesman for God. Just as Caesar was considered the spokesman for the gods in the day of early Christianity. And again, Caesar, the most powerful person in the known world at the time. But they did not fear his wrath. Rather, they trusted God and in trusting in him, they feared God. What, the, what Pharaoh could potentially do paled in comparison to what they had in covenant with God, even in, even in their lowly estate. Even in their lowly estate. As we progress in our weekly reading through the Proverbs, we're actually going to see that pressed more and more, that kind of idea. Just as a matter of application, we often place too much stock in earthly leaders, whether as agents of things to be feared or whether as agents of potential deliverance. We place oftentimes place far too much stock in earthly leaders. But here they trusted the God who made promises. And so here we see that by faith, through the faith of his parents, that is, they believe God, Moses was rescued from Pharaoh's wrath. And thus he would become the man through whom God would say, let my people go. He would be the man who would raise the staff and thus the sea would split. He would be the man who, as long as he held up the staff, they they were winning the battle. He would be the one through whom God would give the law and the terms of the old covenant by faith. How is it they endured? But by faith. Now in the next verse, in verse 24, the attention is turned to Moses. Remember we read in Exodus chapter 2 that when he was of age, he was brought into Pharaoh's household to be a son of Pharaoh's daughter, to be adopted into Pharaoh's household as Pharaoh's grandson, an adopted grandson. But immediately after that, in Exodus chapter 2, when we see that following, Moses saw the mistreatment 
of one of his own people means that he was not he, the fact that he was Jewish was not hidden from him. I mentioned that Charlton Heston movie. It speculates that he was not aware of who he was until he was interacted. But the very fact that he saw this, he saw an Egyptian in chapter two, verse eleven. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his pe- he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So while he was a son of uh, a grandson in Pharaoh's household, he chose here to identify with his people, and thus forfeiting his inheritance as a grandson of Pharaoh, thus giving up the life that he had been brought into. It cost him dearly to do that. As a matter of fact, he went fleeing afterwards. And when he came back to say, let my people go, it actually haunted him. What he did haunted him. They said, well, they're going to come upon us because of what you did. And they had trust, even as people had struggled, struggled to receive him. But he refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. And again, how is it that he did this? He did this by faith. He's going to flesh that out in just a moment. But he could have had the enjoyment of sin for a time. Speaking of the temporal nature of it, through the rest of his life, but that's just for a time. In light of eternity. The sin of denying his God and living in according to Egyptian religious practices. Not, not, Not simply having the the riches, but turning from his God and looking to the Egyptian gods. That would be the enjoyment of sin. And he would get all the spoils of being that son of Pharaoh's daughter. But by faith, he gave that up. He gave up enjoying the spoils of those wealth. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 1. It says, better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. But rather, he said, I will trust the God, the God of my people. The God of the, my, that I was taught to me as a young child. I will trust that God. For what he offers is far greater than what could be taken, that will be, t- than what is taken away from me by Refusing to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter by rather embracing, as it says a moment, the suffering of his people. Furthermore, he was refusing to enjoy the spoils of wealth that was gained off of the backs of the Israelites while robbing them of dignity and robbing them of all, robbing them of the fruits of their labor. He was refusing to enjoy that wealth. Think of Proverbs 22, 22 and 23. Do not rob the poor because he is poor. Crush the afflicted at the gate for the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. Which, as we know the story, the Lord did do that to Pharaoh's household. He chose be identified with his people and to not engage in the sinful practices of Egypt, whether it be their religious rites or as the or as the cruel and burdensome masters of his own people. Because he trusted God is because he looked to God and trusted him by faith. He did what was right. It did not generate from himself, but generated because he looked to God and God worked in him so that he did so. Again, we have need of endurance. From whence does that endurance come? It comes from faith. By faith, he looked to the God of promise. He had no doubt being raised in his early life by his mother been told of the promises that had been given, been told of the promises given to Abraham, been told of the creation story, been told of all the, told of the fall, told of Noah, told that 
through the offspring of Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. And he said, that is far greater than what I can have in Egypt because of the God of promise. By faith, he was able to see beyond his own circumstances. That is, not only in choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he considered the reproach of Christ greater of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He was looking beyond his own circumstances, and he saw that by faith. Again, he has all this treasure in front of him. He has this life of nice ease if he would but live according to Egyptian religious rites as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. But yet he looked to what he could not see. Again, how did he see that? Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, that which was not seen was present to him. He apprehended it by faith in the God who had made promises. He looked to the reward that was by faith in the one who is the greater than. One must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him in Hebrews chapter 11. How is it, again, how is it that we seek him? But by faith. What is this reward that he received? Is this some sort of merit that he received, that he did X, Y, and Z, so thus he merited a reward as though someone uh, was better than the others? We often hear reward like that, and we immediately think, oh, he won a race and he was better than everyone else. That's not what it's talking about. Rather, it is the reward, as we saw in Hebrews chapter 11 earlier, that comes not by the things that we do and our abilities and our merits, but comes by faith in the God who has made promises. By faith in the God who has made promises. For if we are to say that God regards the acts that we do as though they would merit his goodness. We have now impugned the holiness of God, of him accepting something less than an absolutely perfect righteousness. By faith, he received that reward. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of all the wealth that he had in Egypt as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He considered reproach greater than the riches of wealth. Do we not hear the tension in that statement? There's a built-in tension in there that flies in the face of conventional wisdom. Why would anyone choose reproach over what appeared to be unlimited riches, unlimited power as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, as the grandson of Pharaoh? Why would he sacrifice all that to become one who is reproached? Also notice the reproach of Christ. We'll talk about that in a moment. This flies in the face of conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom that we see is that we see God and we see his blessing and we see his care in the things that we can see. But Moses was looking to the things he could not see. We are programmed to root our value and honor in the things that we see, the things that we can touch, the things that we can hear, the things that we can taste and smell. That we see that we are we are programmed according to our fallen nature to find the value and honor in those things. 
How could we ever say that the one who chooses reproach in association with Christ is greater honor than the honor of a king? How could we say that a poor man, as we read from Proverbs 19, who is integrable is greater than the rich fool who is crooked of speech? How could we say such a thing? Even furthermore, how could Jesus say something like this? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Or blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Or blessed be the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because it's rooted, how can we say such a thing? How can such a thing be true? Because it's rooted in that which is eternal and unseen. Unseen by these eyes. By faith, we see what cannot be seen or perceived according to our conventional senses. We see the eternal city whose foundations are built by God. By faith, we see that. By faith, we look to that. Also take note that he treasured the reproach of Christ. Now, that word does not appear in the Moses narrative of Christ, but the author of Hebrews says he was treasuring the reproach of Christ. As we've said several times, not recently, but the, there, is an, there is an infallible interpreter of Scripture. It's not me. It's not John Calvin. He's clearly wrong on a number of things. Of course, I'm surely I'm wrong on plenty of things. It's not Charles Spurgeon. It's not your favorite podcast or radio preacher. No, the only infallible interpreter of the Holy of the Scriptures is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit interprets this for us. Not because he said, not because the Holy Spirit came to me and said, "Mark, this is what this is saying." but because the Holy Spirit inspired the writing of this. And he said he treasured the reproach of Christ. What does that mean? Moses was looking for Christ. He was looking for the deliverer. He was looking for the promised one. A millennia before, over a millennia before the coming of Christ, he treasured the reproach of Christ. Moses is looking to what is shadowy, but still there as a promise. It was shadowy. It was unclear. Consider looking through a thick fog and seeing a shape to which we're going. But we don't, we, we see there's something that we're looking for, but we can't quite see it yet. And clearly, but we know it's there and we know we should go there. That's what Moses was doing. He was looking to Christ. Moses is also functioning as a type of Christ. Christ is the greater Moses. Think of this. Moses humbled himself and suffered his people's affliction and identification with them. He he had a place of honor according to conventional human wisdom, but he humbled himself and endured the affliction of his people in identification with his people. He could have had it easy, but he humbled himself. But there's one who's a greater than, who's greater than Moses, who greater who in a greater way than Moses ever could have or anyone humbled himself and suffered his people's affliction in identification with them. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. He suffered and endured the just penalty for our sin and humbling himself according to his humanity and enduring the agonies that were due to us and living the life of a man who 
suffered even and obeyed even when it caused him suffering on our behalf. So Moses embraced the reproach of Christ, looking to Christ, but also testifies of Christ through his humbling of himself and embracing his people's affliction. But not only that, by faith he also forsook Egypt. By faith he fled and went to Midian. And there he met his wife. But that's not where the story ended. Moses went up the mountain because he saw something. Went up the mountain. And there the Lord spoke to him through the burning bush that was not consumed. And that burning bush, the voice of God, the revelation of God said this, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. He left Egypt, not knowing whether he would return. But here, God says to him, return. Now, we know that Moses readily said, okay, yes, let's do this. Let's, let's hop on it and let's go back to Pharaoh. And I'm going to say, let my people go. No, that's not what happened at all. Moses gets into an almost comical um, debate with God about this. He comes up with all sorts of excuses. And so here we see that Moses, Moses, even in his faith, like Abraham, was not a perfect faith. But it's not the perfection of our faith by which we are right with God. It is rather because our faith rests in and receives from him in Christ Jesus. Made various different excuses ranging from, well, I'm I'm not a good speaker. To even saying, well, I don't even know your name. Who should I say sent me? And God answers each one of those objections each time. He said, you can't talk fine. I'll send Aaron. And, he'll, and you tell him what to talk, and he can talk. And Moses, after all that, agreed. He also left Egypt after returning in the Exodus itself. For Moses went back to Egypt. He went before Pharaoh and said, The Lord our God has commanded for you to let us go. And of course, came and said, Well, bargained a little bit and said, well, we just want to go worship out in the, out there. But Pharaoh kept saying, no, I won't do that. And Pharaoh kept heart, his, his heart was hardened, it says. And each time that a plague came, we can look at those plagues, and each one of those plagues is an attack on the various different gods of the Egyptian religion. He would seek to make it harder for Israel. And we see that Pharaoh made many threats, but Moses persevered. And all of this was rooted in the fact that by faith, he, he saw that which was invisible, the things hoped for, the things unseen. He saw the burning bush, yet this was but a revelation and not the vision of God in his full glory. In fact, God said, you can't see me in my full glory. I'll pass by you and I'll let you look at my back. This was the word of God. God revealed to man. Seen according to the limitations of his humanity. By faith, Moses saw what could not be seen with human eyes. So he left Egypt and then he went back to Egypt to say, I'm leaving again and I'm bringing these people with me. Because the Lord, my God, has commanded me. So twice over. He forsook Egypt or left Egypt again by faith. He did not fear Pharaoh's wrath because he had God who is far greater than the awful things that Pharaoh could ever do to him. The honor that he has in relationship to God, the reward that he has by faith is far greater than the wrath of Pharaoh. Though he were to die If he were to die, he would have far greater things than what Pharaoh could take away. 
And furthermore, by faith, he kept the Passover. Pharaoh decided to do a redux. That's a redoing of the of of where it started in the book of Exodus. Remember, Pharaoh had said, we're going to kill all the boys of Egypt. He said, we're going to do it again, but this time we're going to kill all the firstborn in order to teach them a lesson to say, you're not leaving. But God, in a promise made, said, I will turn the threat back on Pharaoh. And by faith, Moses kept and all the people with him Passover. What is the Passover? It was all the various different things they were commanded to do on the night in which the firstborn was to die. In particular was the slaughtering of the lamb. He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. He kept the Passover, all the various different ways it was to be carried out, uh, with the bread, with the lamb, with the feast, all the different things they were to do. Then there was the slaughtering of the lamb. They were to place that blood over the doorposts. And when that was placed over the doorposts, the angel of death would pass over Israel. Take note of this. What would happen to a house of Israel if the blood was not over the doorposts? Their firstborn would die. Their firstborn would have died. For they needed a covering. They needed something to say, this one shall not die. Some, uh, they needed blood to plead on their behalf. They needed to say some, somewhat, something else has died instead of this one. You see, Israel was deserving of, as, as deserving of God's judgment just as Pharaoh because of their sinfulness. What they needed was a substitute. And God provided that substitute in the Lamb, which is a testimony to Christ. By faith, Moses saw that. By faith, Moses said, there's a substitute. By faith. We believe this will happen. Why? Because God who makes promises keeps promises. And that he will rescue his people by his grace and by his mercy testified in the blood of the lamb, in the slaughtering of that lamb and in the sprinkling of the blood on the doorposts. Thus saying to the agent of death, the destroyer, someone else has died so you can pass over. And so it is with us. Christ has died and he is our substitute. And so God's wrath passes over us because we have a substitute. The blood of Christ pleads on our behalf. Death has already occurred. Judgment has occurred on behalf of this person. And so we do are not destroyed by God's wrath. So how much more should we by faith Trust him. Receive from him. That lamb was a type of Christ. I highly recommend, and if you want it, I can send it to you, that you find a work. It's available on the internet. I think it still is. I have it saved if it's not. Um, translation to English of On Pascha by a church father by the name of Melito of Sardis. Melito wrote a long poem about how the exodus and all the events testify of Jesus Christ. He retold the story in poetic form, putting Christ. And he says this in one part. For then the slaughter of sheep was a value, but now it is worthless because of the Lord's life. The death of the sheep was a value, but now it is worthless because of the Lord's salvation. The blood of the sheep was a value. Now it is now worthless because of the Lord's spirit. The dumb lamb was a value. Now it is worthless because of the sun without spot. The temple below was a value. Now it is worthless because of the heavenly Christ. All of these things testified of Christ, the coming one. You see in sacrificing the lamb, Moses and Israel 
were looking beyond the lamb that was right there. And they were looking to the greater lamb. They did not know what it would look like, all the details, but they trusted God's provision. And so they were looking to Christ testified to by that lamb. That lamb did not provide any atonement in and of itself. Rather, it was Christ in his death, which was yet to come, that provided any atonement. And furthermore, that lamb was a testimony of protection from earthly death. Not so much from eternal condemnation, but a testified of Christ and prefigured Christ. So by faith, my brothers and sisters, in closing, Moses did all these things that he did. By faith, the people of God were rescued. By faith, Moses was rescued. By faith, Moses said, I see something, though you don't see it. It gives me a reason to say, I'm going to embrace the reproach of Christ in union with my people. Testifying of God's grace in Christ Jesus as well. By faith, he left Egypt. And by faith, through the Passover, Christ was declared. So people of God, by faith, we too have rescue. By faith, we too can and do embrace the reproach of Christ. Because what we have is far greater than anything that could be taken away from us. So people of God, let us by faith live in him. Let us pray. Father, thank you that by faith Moses testified of your faithfulness. And because of your faithfulness, his faith was not in vain. May we too, Lord, even all the more now that Christ has come, now that the substance is, has come by faith, endure when everything around us and everyone around us, even, some, even our own minds are telling us, give up. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.